Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. The concept of confidence from within is getting them to understand that when you are in that true, unapologetically you place, it is so, so powerful that that on itself is pure confidence, right? When you just, it's not that you don't care what others think, it's that you're just so in line with who you are that opinions and stuff are just opinions, right? Like it doesn't really waver you. Like you're just so integral to yourself. Welcome to Overflow, the podcast. Are you filling everyone's cup meanwhile your energy and inspiration is drained? I believe when you move from overdrive to overflow, you have a supply of energy for people around you and all the demands of life so that you can tackle them with ease. Overflow is an experience of being in the zone with all your attention, so much so you momentarily forget everything else. This show is your weekly guide. Let's build a plan for making time for pure enjoyment or being fully absorbed in the complexity of your work or studies because this ambition will fill you up because you're not here to be average, you're here to be awesome. I'm Kimberly Snyder, motivational speaker, student of positive psychology, advocate and champion of people. I'm your cheerleader and your biggest fan. So fill up your cup, savor the moment as we chat and nourish the mind, body and soul so we can respond to life's challenges and find your overflow. Welcome to the Overflow Podcast. I'm so excited this morning to introduce my friend, Juliana. Juliana is an entrepreneur and a lifelong learner. She's a trusted friend, and she's also one of our board members on a women entrepreneur group we have. She thinks a lot about strategy. She's a guide. She's helpful. She's often sharing her best practices And she really has helped us entrepreneurs think about pivoting during COVID-19. She's a nutritionist. She's a mind-body weight release expert. Her company is Naturally Joyous. We often catch her on Thursdays on Facebook Lives. Often me and the kids are sitting there watching, learning about, well, sometimes we're learning about poop. Often we're learning about nutrition. Um, That's what we really enjoy. Naturally Joyous is a model of self-care that I love. You'll often hear Juliana say, real food is never the issue. And I'm so excited to announce she's also a new podcaster, Confidence Within. Welcome, Juliana. Thank you so much, Kim. It's such a pleasure to be here. Now listen, I see you have a cup you know, I was going to call this podcast, fill up your cup. And my original concept was that I would have my cup and you would have your cup and we would compare that we are like, <laughs> our cups are full. So what, what's in your cup, Juliana? Metaphorically speaking, in my cup, I would say like in my actual cup, normally I have a couple of different options. So I usually am drinking organic green tea or one of the teas in the line, the little line that I have designed. Okay. But metaphorically, in my cup, I'd say, especially during COVID, I've had so many wonderful people reach out. And that has been how I have really refilled my cup. A lot of, you know, friendships that were 
you know, not like lost, but like he had, we had lost touch and some very special people have come back into my life uh, around February and then into COVID time. So yeah, Summer Cup is full also in the metaphorical way. I think it's so interesting that like when we talk about COVID and it has been very scary, there's been a concern around safety and health. And so self-care has come to the forefront of conversations around taking care of ourselves, whether it's surrounding ourselves with the right people, speaking to the right, like having that right mindset, or actually like filling up your cup with green tea rather than, Mm -hmm. so I actually have coffee. It's my first coffee of the day, cinnamon on top. So it just adds a spice to my day. (laughs) Love it. Yeah. So I'm hoping we can share, if, if you're willing, I'd love to hear your story. And then I'm wondering if you have lessons or tips from your story that you can share with us to inspire us. Because like I said, during COVID, it has been a lot of worry about our own safety. We have been cooped up in these four walls and not always um, leaning towards our good habits and positive habits. And so I'd love for you to share your story and maybe share some um, lessons, advice, tips for us. Yes, absolutely. That's my pleasure. So I would say the part of my story in COVID for me has been like in terms of what I've used this, let's call it extra time for. It hasn't so much in terms of changing my everyday lifestyle in the sense that I always cook my own meals. Like I love the things that a lot of people are doing more of now and I've been doing basically the same, but it has given me a lot more time to reflect and to really sort of work more like a mindset, mental health, that aspect of myself, right? And with that, I would say the level of transparency and honesty that I've been sharing in my story has become a lot more more real and raw during the last few months. And I've been really putting out there a more uh, real version of myself. Whereas before, I think I've always put out the practitioner side of me, right? The, you know, the science lover, the, you know, nutritionist side of me and really all the reflection and a lot of the, like I said, the people that have come into my life have really highlighted the need for the deeper work to also come out, right? And I think that has been the part of my story that has been more interesting that people have gravitated with that I'll kind of share today. But I think it really comes from the fact that I was born and raised in Brazil and I've moved to Canada in my early 20s, right? So I was already in university. I left behind all my friends. Like it was a very big, difficult transition for me. But life in Canada from my 15 years here have been wonderful. And I love Canada so much. And I do not regret coming here at all. But I think what's like interesting to me is looking back, my years growing up in Brazil and all the, let's just call it emotional trauma that came from my living in such a dangerous place. I, had a, I have a wonderful family. I had no, you know, specific issues in the household but it was more in just like the fear of being outside and just like the normal things maybe not normal but the things you hear on tv representing brazil in terms of crime and violence and so on right and the reason why i mentioned that is coming to canada and after several years struggling with a lot of different health issues like serious ones 
that even led to a spinal surgery in 2012. And, you know, I experienced about 15 years of debilitating migraine headaches and, you know, inability to get out of bed eight times in my life. And my husband had to take me to emergency because of some muscles that wouldn't move. So it was a variety of things. And then later I had diagnosis of things such as, um, juvenile onset, spinal degeneration, chronic fatigue, autoimmune thyroid disease, and like a whole laundry list of things, right? So really, I would say the big part of my journey has been really uncovering what was the real root cause of a lot of those different things, right? And kind of peeling the onion layers, but also finding what has been the commonality. And one of the things that I have discovered um, has really been the I would say excessive level of stress that my body was able to call it survive under, you know, in my first 20 years of my life, just for living in Brazil and coming to Canada, I had this, what I call like a cortisol gap, right? My body was used to running at this high stress level, meaning survival mode. And now I was living in a country that technically you could leave the door unlocked and sleep, you know, like it was such a culture shock. And I had this huge gap, right. Between what I, my physiology was used to and what new life looked like. And the reason I'm bringing all of this up is one, it has been the root cause of a lot of my health issues that I have later discovered, but also that gap, I think, has been the reason why I pushed my career as fast and as much as I did, right? I feel myself with working 70 hours a week and taking certifications and courses and various degrees and this and this and that, because I had to fill that gap, right? Like, new to be here. This was normal to me. And then I had now this deficit of stress in my life that I created around yeah, exactly. right like like subconsciously obviously but in hindsight right and a lot of times and we talked about this right that my normal self is going at 150 percent if I'm doing 95 percent I feel like you know I'm taking way too much time off and I really took a lot of time to contemplate why right so I, I think there's a couple of other reasons one of them being Brazil is a very competitive country for anything. There's like hundreds of thousands of people competing for that one spot. So it's just part of the culture that was instilled on me. I come from a family that my grandmother has a PhD and she had to go to another country to get it because Brazil at that time didn't have enough to even, you know, allow her to defend a thesis, right? So I've come from a family of a lot of very powerful women that really, you know, like grew their careers and have like really successful careers. So that was part of the inspiration. But I really believe that the pursuit of knowledge and being busy and, you know, that I've done has a lot to do with that gap. This is it, Juliana. You're, you're speaking my language. The, the women, the women in my circle, like yourself, other women, this is it is that they work at 150 miles an hour. They achieve awesomeness, like they're doing it. They're in big jobs or they're entrepreneurs of big companies. They're doing a lot. And, and I, love, I love how you started your conversation with, I'm trying to be more authentic. I'm trying to be more honest. And so I think about myself and, and these other women 
who I really hope are listening to this podcast, when you say, then I started to peel back the layers. And so then I wonder, should I be doing that too? Like, am I racing? Am I? And I think that's what I did in corporate life. I was racing. I was filling in the gap. I was making sure that I stretched or like used up all my stress in all the week. But then I wonder, should we be like, should myself, should I be thinking I need to be more authentic? I need to peel back the layers, get to the root cause. Why am I like, why do I have this need to like super excel? But then there's also an element of like, why aren't I taking care of myself? Like, why am I 150 miles an hour for everything else, but not in my own, my own self-care? Absolutely. That's a beautiful question. And I think it's really even the reason why I kind of brought this, you know, aspect of our conversation, because, you know, when we think about self-care very specifically, right, I think the big realization of my life is that self-care is very different depending on who you are. Like I am made this way, right? I thrive in doing big things. It's just part of my nature. And I think the honesty that I was referring to is because when you are in the health and wellness space, like I am, people expect you to meditate every day, take bubble baths, you know, and my happy place is not that, (laughs) right? As much as, you know, that sounds awesome and it is for some people, it's not my happy place. That's not how I do self-care. And I think before I would put that out there because that's what people expect of you, right? Um, But because it's not how I do my thing, uh, it just didn't feel, I couldn't do that anymore. Like that honesty, because I know women like me, that's not what they need either right? Somebody telling me, oh, you have to slow down. Well, that doesn't mean anything, (laughs) right? So like, what is self-care for me? I think that's important, right? And what I would say is that the way that I see it, the balance and, you know, filling my cup and taking care of myself only happens when I am in that place of joy, right? I named my company Naturally Joyous for that purpose, (laughs) for that reason, and now I'm just embracing it. Um, But it's really when I'm doing the work that I want to do, when I'm serving the woman how I want to serve, I am in such a place of joy that that is so fulfilling and it doesn't feel like work and I don't feel exhausted and I feel just light and happy in myself. And that for me, self-care, right? Even if I'm recording an episode or if I am, you know, seeing a client or whatever that looks like. Whereas if I'm doing something that I don't like to do, (laughs) as an example, you know, from something I used to do before, writing a a 10-hour report for, you know, an insurance company or whatever, that's not in my zone of genius, then I'm not in a joyous place, then I'm exhausted and tired, you know? So for me, and I think a lot of the women that need to keep going at that high pace, as long as we're always checking in and seeing, are you doing something that really fires you up? that is self-care even if it doesn't require the traditional you know (laughs) bubble bath you know i like bubble baths but it's not how i relax that's how i listen to podcasts you know what i mean my mind is active and that's it that's what i get excited about is these women are charging they are thriving they're still thriving like they're still wanting to achieve more but it's true they they um i would say they don't want to 
in some cases, they don't want to have a bubble bath. So they, they have to be honest with themselves. But as long as there is something in there where you're finding, like you said, joy, so that you're not, the, the part I worry about is I worry that they are giving so much they're demanding the team they're worried about the safety they're worried like they're worried and they're being pushed and pulled that they're not taking time for themselves to find the joy so maybe a bubble bath isn't joy it would slow you down for a minute but what what are you doing to kind of find joy find that flow find that so how did you so maybe you can share with us how did you move from go, 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 70 hours. Sometimes you couldn't get up in the, in the morning. It sounds like there was a lot of like physical ailments. Yeah. And stuff. So how did you move from that to I'm living in my joy? I'm doing, I'm not writing the 10 page reports and <laughs> running naturally joyous and I'm truly naturally joyous. How is this happening? Yeah, I love it. I'll say I got a little bit of a easy clue because my body's way to communicate with it is through pain, right? Like physical pain. Uh, so one of the ways that now I know is that if my body is in flow and I'm not, you know, in pain in any way, I'm in a good place, right? The moment came and it's incredible, but the moment that I get an email or I'm told to do something that I don't want, it's almost like the headache starts, like my body very quickly tells me, but I know not everybody have, not everyone has a, a clear clue like this, right? Uh, but the other clue I'd say that I have, and I think a lot of times people call that self-doubt. I don't. I believe that that is one of our, call it intuition, I guess, but one of your most trusted friends, that it's a feedback mechanism, right? That if you have that gut feeling that this isn't right, then it probably isn't. And I listen to it, right? So anytime that I feel... I, develop a way that I feel almost like a discomfort in my body. And that's what makes me stop and reevaluate, right? Whether or not I feel I'm no longer in alignment with what I'm here to do. Um, before I got to this point, the big thing I'll say happened, and this is back in 2017, that I didn't have my practice part-time only on the weekends. And I was, you know, doing the 70 hour week easily. And that's when I left my corporate job. It was a wonderful job and it was actually good in so many ways, but I actually had a real burnout. And I was, and that's when I got my diagnosis of fibromyalgia and I had chronic fatigue that I literally could not get out of bed, right? And I, you know, that was the second time. So my first big aha moment was in 2012 when I had my spinal surgery and then, you know, I came back to work way too quickly. I went back to the, you know, push, push, push lifestyle. Then 2017, that was the, the second big one, which was the burnout. And I was down for truly four months and I couldn't do anything. And I was on stress leave. And then I decided just to exit the corporate world and make naturally joyous my full-time occupation. And I look at that phase of my life with so much gratitude because that burnout is what I call space. It really gave me space to reevaluate, to see what I actually wanted to do. I always felt this sense of duty to keep going, you know, sense of loyalty to people that trusted me and invested in me, right? That was like almost like that good girl <laughs> that we have talking about, um, sort of 
mentality that lives still lives inside of me and I'm, you know, working on it. I think it's the good girl, but I also think it's the achiever in us. In, in, in women like us and in women that we know, they, they have this sense of achieve and they do have, like you said, it's your, um, like you have an innate strength, like a capability to do all that, to, to do the big job to, and now to be an entrepreneur, to have so much going on. Like mm-hmm. there is something about, you know, women who seem to be able to do it all. I love how you said the upset or the, um, the health upsets in your life in 2012 and 2017 offered you gratitude and a space to reevaluate. Yeah. It really was. It's almost like the unhealthy upset in your life because typically when we are unhealthy or unwell, and I, and I even relate it to, to COVID in early days, the inclination was to crawl back under the covers, like to pull (laughs) the covers up you know, and hide. Right. And, yeah. and it, it was, it was, it seemed to be for, for us and our family, it seemed to be late nights and late mornings and hard to get going and hard to adjust and a lot of news. But it, instead I'm hearing you saying, yeah, I had these um, issues in my health. And instead of kind of crawling under the covers, <laughs> like some of us might have done, you say it was great gratitude and space. And mind you that I got to that realization, but when I was going through it, I wasn't in that good mental space. It took me a lot to get there. And other practitioners helped me and a lot of inner work, right? Because for a very long time, uh, and I use this terminology uh, often, I saw my health issues being in the way of my career, of my love of sports, that I couldn't do it anymore after surgery, all those things to see everything being in the way, right? Instead of on the, like, sorry, seeing it being on the way rather than in the way. That because of all of my health issues, my educational career took the shape that it did. Because of the burnout, I was able to take a step back and reevaluate. All those things are, I think when it's so dramatic, like the big milestones in my life have been really dramatic, which, my family jokes very much Brazilian soap opera level dramatic, you know, <laughs> but it's good to know. <laughs> yes. Otherwise I, I think I wouldn't listen. Right. So I think that's why it has to be so loud and so clear. Um, but when they happen, it's almost like I pivot my life. Right. And, and I discover a new version of myself, a strong version of myself. And it has been that way. I'd say the surgery was the biggest milestone still because that was the first time in my life I experienced something that one of the mentors I have calls tears of gratitude. That was the first time I actually had a tear come out of my eye and I understood what it meant to be grateful for it, right? Because as you're going into surgery and it was a very serious surgery that I had, like, you know, they're touching my spinal cord or near my spinal cord. I could have been paralyzed after for life and I was clear about the risks and just going in there, I knew I had no control of what was about to happen to me. And being able to let go of control that day was the most wonderful. Like I get teary just to think about it, that I just felt so taken care of and I hadn't, I, had, I didn't have to do anything about it, right? Like it was like an amazing, profound experience. And I've always had that as my point of reference of what I wanted to go back to feeling. So if you were to say, 
what is the strategy, right? Because I like strategy. That's how my mind works. The strategy that I've used over the last, I'll say, several years and I continue to is the gratitude piece. That for me has been the one thing I've done for self-care, for changing my perspective on all my health struggles and to just become a more content version of myself, no matter how ambitious and striving <laughs> to build a massive business as I am. Uh, and that is to always neutralize both sides, either something that sounds amazing and something that sounds terrible. And you start to allow your brain to see both sides equally okay to the point that it's neutral and then you're just the only emotion you can have is gratitude that it happened right and that has been my strategy anyways i think that's a that's a great reminder for all of us whether you think about in that moment going into surgery or whether you think about it today remembering you are thinking about surrendering i don't have any control over this and kind of being grateful for the moment i'm in good hands at at this point in time we're still in the global pandemic and there it isn't a typical reaction to respond with gratitude maybe after people have debated about the news or politics or whatever then they might find space for gratitude but here you are reminding us whether it's in that moment so you're in that, in that bed going into surgery or whether it's today recalling it, you actually have tears in your eyes recalling it because you're truly grateful. So what would, what would you say is, so help us make it a bit more tangible. Like how can we practice gratitude or this sense of neutralizing both sides so that you find the gratitude? Yeah, absolutely. So a lot of that work has been from studying and learning from, and I'll give you a resource as well. So his name is Dr. John Demartini. And he created something, I think he'd been teaching for about 40 years now. He created the Demartini method, which is kind of the methodology that I use. And his whole concept is, you know, in a very basic sense of the word, you make a list. And then you make a list and there's four quadrants. And the first quadrant is what are the pros that this happened? The next one is what are the cons that this happened? And then the third one is what are the pros should this have not happened? And what are the cons should this not have happened? Right, so you're looking at pros and cons if it happened and if it didn't happen. And the whole goal there is that you keep completing your list and it's gonna be at least one or two quadrants that are hard to fill because we have a one-sided perspective, good or bad, right? But the more we exercise our minds on seeing both sides of good and bad, we start to equalize all of our perspectives of this is good for me, this is bad for me, to the point that what he calls, we get closer and closer to the most authentic versions of ourselves which accept everything just as it is, not good, not bad, just, you know, on the way of our next step and next step. And the only emotion that's left is gratitude for what is, right? So that is really the basis of his work. 
and he ha he's very prolific with content, free content. There's lots of him on YouTube. I, I probably listen to something of his almost every single day. And it's just, it works for me and it has been very transformational for me in terms of really adopting a lot of that. But it becomes more, the more you do it, it becomes almost instinctual. So I don't need to necessarily get a pen and paper and write it down. If something happens, I'm looking at drawbacks and benefits, right? And it calms me down and then I can be more objective into deciding how to react to a situation, right? I think everything in life just is, but how we react to it is the choice we make. That's right. Because I am hearing this more and more when I talk to people about self-care and, and, and the uh, what are they doing to manage their self-care better. They're talking about it's a practice. So you said um, kind of exercising our brain to think on both sides because we are slanted to want to yes. think in one in one direction so tell us a little bit about your podcast because it's what's <laughs> bubbling up for me is this confidence within this confidence within so this is the new name the name of the new podcast yes. and as i hear like there is this gratitude but there also is a sense of confidence that you have where you can achieve anything that you put your mind to if you if you work at it or if you listen to your intuition if you know that serves me well or that's in my flow that's bringing me joy versus that's not and there is a confidence that's bubbling up so tell us a little bit about this podcast that we can all tune into oh thank you absolutely so the the name of the podcast evolved because I was planning to call it something else and I'm very glad that it evolved and it evolved because during COVID I really reached out and I started talking to women talking to women in different countries different continents like Europe South America um, you know Canada US and I've spoken to many of them and asked very personal questions and one of the questions, because my main passion and field of work is on hormonal uh, weight loss, right, as a general term for that. And I asked them two very important questions. One, what are their fears when it comes to weight management? And the other big question is, what do you want? Like, what is missing, right? Because the industry is a multi-billion dollar industry and the world continues to gain weight and women continue to have symptoms of you know hot flashes and weight gain and depression and thyroid disease and all those things so i asked them what is missing what do you want and i truly thought i was going to hear tactics right that they needed a new diet a new i don't know <laughs> more recipes or this and that and almost nobody went there what they said that they wanted was to feel confident in themselves and what was preventing them from feeling confident was their body image right and I looked at that and I was like, oh, wow, like, yeah, exactly. Because we are taught that that's what matters, right? And then you have this amazing, brilliant women with so much to give hiding from the world because they don't feel good enough to be seen, right? And I know there's a lot of good positive effort with the body uh, image movement going on, but I think there's still room for us to bring the now the women in high leadership positions that their status and how they're seen is so important to them and bringing them this new level of looking at themselves, like looking at confidence, not from, you know, when we look at our emotions and so on, a lot of times people associate that with weakness, right? And just really looking at our emotions very much as what makes us incredibly powerful and 
where using that truly from within to kind of get that confidence out so you can go out and do your work no matter what it is right so that's kind of part of like the reason of the naming was by talking to the women and hearing that's what they're looking for and for myself like confidence when it comes to like how i see it i think there's different ways to look at it but somebody told me this long time ago and it really sort of marked me that she said, I've never perceived myself as somebody that lacked confidence, right? I've always been very comfortable in my own skin and I presented myself strong. And she said to me that she believed that because for the, the foundational years of my life, the first 20 years of my life, my number one fear was survival, literally not dying and being kidnapped. I did not have time to question whether or not I just became confident because that's how you survive when you live in a very dangerous country. Whereas here, and I see my husband, you know, he's Canadian born. Uh, he didn't have anywhere near the same traumas and struggles I did. Sure, so sure. self-confidence is something that he contemplated or, you know, challenged him most of his life, right? So I kind of wonder if it's really my, my background really brings me an advantage to kind of, you know, lead the way in this confidence conversation because it comes naturally to me because I don't have the same, I do not have the same opportunities to question myself early on. I just did it, right? Uh, and now I think I bring an interesting perspective to that whole conversation, especially because I do believe that the number one thing that women want, which is you know releasing the excess weight so that they can look a certain way to do their work, I think it's backwards. Um, you know, I think you do the inner work, you do the work, and then the weight comes off. <laughs> I think it's actually backwards how the industry has been teaching women. And that's the whole basis of the work that I do with the weight release, right? Is we work on the baggage first, we let go of that stuff that's weighing you down, that's protecting you from everything else. And then living a life of congruency and self-care is just a natural consequence because you're in such a good place that you don't need to use food to punish. You don't need to use food to numb, right? Because you're in that place of joy and contentment with yourself. So I think it's backwards. And my big mission is to kind of flip it on its head and, and teach women that perspective of it. I love it. And it, for me, for me, it comes full circle around being authentic and kind of peeling back the layers. Cause I do think women um, who are in big jobs or have a lot going on, they have, or they, let's say, demonstrate confidence. They do demonstrate confidence because they have to, because they're running a company, because they have a team, because um, they might have a family or friends. Like they, you know, they're, they're doing it all. So they have to demonstrate confidence but I think it comes back to peeling the layers and truly being authentic with yourself. And maybe is there confidence from within or has society taught you, you know, this is what confidence looks like. This is what it shows up. But what I'm finding is there is something kind of in the back of their minds that they're not quite confident. And that's how that, for, from my point of view, that's why self-care and things that are your own dreams and wishes aren't being fulfilled because you, you don't have that confidence kind of from within. So I'm so excited about the podcast. Yeah. And I think, it, thank you. I'm, I'm very excited too and just kind of, you know, having some conversations and I'm definitely bringing you on to talk about leadership and I'll, you know, showing like the women a different perspective of themselves. That's really my goal to, you know, I want to bring lawyers and all sorts of female experts in very powerful positions 
to really bring a different perspective, right? Like it's not a, a weight loss podcast per se. Um, that is the women that usually come to me because of hormonal issues and so on, but it's a podcast for truly to focus on female empowerment. What you said is so true about, you know, people in position of power. And a lot of my female clients are in leadership positions of power. And what I tell them is that if I were to tell you, you have to de-stress, like they're going to leave, right? Because that's not who they are. So how can we make stress work for you and really switch you from being in that reactive stress mode to a more proactive way that you know what to do, you know your tools, you know when you're getting into that red zone to pull back type of thing. Uh, but when you have to wear the confident Fit, almost like mask all day. It's exhausting, right? And I think the concept of confidence from within is let, getting them to understand that when you are in that true, unapologetically you place, it is so, so powerful that that on itself is pure confidence, right? When you just, it's not that you don't care what others think, it's that you're just so in line with who you are that opinions and stuff are just opinions, right? Like it doesn't really waver you. Like you're just so integral to yourself. And I think for me, that's a big place of it. Even if I'm writing a social media post and, you know, something that would just like look good for Instagram, if it's not integral to me, I don't want to post it anymore because the energy of it is wrong, right? And it, it leaks energy from myself. And to keep that, you know, I don't know, like just serve people powerfully. I think we have to be the best versions of ourselves. It's almost like a responsibility. That's how I see it. Uh, and if you can do that with so much joy, you're going to impact so many more people. I think the title and the concept is beautiful. I think they do wear armor that presents as confidence. And so if we can take them back to what is it that we need to deal with to uncover, to peel back the layers, which I love the concept of um, weaving in gratitude and practices and helping them deal with their self-care, their self-confidence, and then weight loss will happen. And yeah. then you will be more confident because you feel better in your skin, et cetera. Totally. Otherwise, I just jump from diet to diet to diet. And, you know, I say you start in a diet and then the honeymoon phase ends and then you go back to, you know, like struggling again. And it is just the model sells and it's out there. Um, but it's, I just don't partake. <laughs> I have a, a different perspective on it. And from a tactics, tactics standpoint, yeah, it's like I do teach women how to eat about their hormones and we do all sorts of very tactical things too. But what I have recognized is that without the sort of mind shift to bucket, to balance the other ones, like you never really get lasting transformation, right? So that's what I've been adding into the work. It's kind of, I call it the she system and the S stands for shifting your mindset before we actually get into protein, fat, carbs, <laughs> you know? So it's, it's cool. It's a different way to look at it. You're going to change, you're going to change the world. You're going to change our mindset. And I love too that you're talking to women, like you're talking to your clients, listening, not, not for anything, but just, just listening, really, truly hearing what they have to say. And then that's the part that you're trying to solve for us so that we can have that conversation and not go from diet to diet or fad to fad. At the end of the day, it's actually about confidence and confidence within and I'll tell you just one more thing quickly that I thought was so remarkable that what I heard from almost 
almost every woman can, and I'm serious, I can, like I was surprised actually. People said, the women said, we know what to do. We know we're not to be drinking so much wine. We know we're not to be eating the sugar. They know, and they said, knowledge is not what's missing. And it's like, wow, because I've always, you know, I know I've always attracted women that have tried many things before, right? So they they know. So I said, so what is the gap in between you knowing what to do and doing it? And they said they believed it was lack of motivation, right? Now, the thing about motivation that I I love is that the moment that you need external motivation to do something, it's not sustainable, right? It's just not. Because the moment that programs, the moment you stop answering your food in an app, the moment that a spouse stops like, you know, nagging at you, you're going to stop because it's not your normal zone of genius to do it, right? So what I do as part of my program and my work doing more of it, incorporating, is what I call activating your inner motivation. It's really taking the things that you really care about that you do without thinking twice and linking the health and wellness, the eating health and whatever to it, or we delegate out, right? Some people really hate to cook. That's fine, you know, but you have to hire that out. Like think it as a business, right? If you can't do a task, you have to outsource it. You either delegate or you link it to your highest, most important values. And that is the only way to really find that inner motivation because my job as you know a practitioner should not be to motivate people, right? Like my job should just be to show you a new path and give the tools to walk the path. But, right, because I can't hold everybody's hands, nor no. should I forever. It, and I think it's partly tools and it's partly having the conversation again, it goes to like, I love at the beginning when you said you were kind of like peeling back the layers and it kind of resonated with me because I thought I hear you saying I peeled back the layers. And then I wondered, should I be doing that? And so when you're engaged with the client, it would be helping them peel back the layers and you don't know what the answer is, but when they peel back the layers, they may be able to point to patterns or point to, um, things that, that have been said to them all their lives that they believe rightfully or wrongfully. And so as they're peeling back the layers, then you can activate their inner motivation because then they realize, okay, that's something that was always told to me. Like my grandmother always said, and, and that's actually not true now. That's actually, and you know, but I've, I had that in my head that that was always true. And then I love that they're going to activate their inner, inner motivation. Love it. And I'll leave you with one book recommendation at the end. So one very remarkable book in my journey has been by Byron Katie. And the book is called Loving What Is. And she has a nice exercise in there that speaks exactly to what you just said. That she says, when you look at those patterns and you recognize it and you ask yourself, do you know it's true? Can you be certain that it is true? And 99% of the time, we can't because it's our perceptions, right? It's not the factual truth. So it's a beautiful book. And for some reason, I first read it in as audiobook instead of reading it. And because it's her voice, you know, kind of like, you know, going through the book, it was really powerful to me. I kind of recommend it in audiobook form. So you have that experience as well. But yeah, so I just wanted to leave that as well. No, thank you. So I'd like, so that's exactly how I like to end. I have three, um, three questions for you at the end. I do want to thank you for sharing your story, sharing your inspiration, offering tips around 
gratitude and even how you said very so subtly, which we, I would love to have another conversation with you another day, but ever so subtly you said, it's all about strategy, isn't it, Kim? And you have this, like, I think that's how your mind works. You're constantly building a strategy yeah. ever so subtly, but we don't have enough time to like go into that <laughs> part of your brain and talent. It's totally a strength of yours, but I would love, I would love to talk another time more about that. But so thank you. Thank you for being here. Thank you oh, for sharing. I, share. I, I do have three questions. So one was a book or a podcast or something that you'd recommend. My second question is around advice. So if you were to go back to yourself at 20 years old, and interestingly, that was about when you were deciding to come to Canada. Yes. So either do you have advice for yourself at that moment when you're 20 or another way to think about it would be if a 20 year old approached you today, what advice would you have for her? I'd say that um, no matter how hard things may look, everything is perfectly perfect. Everything is in your way for a very specific reason. And the quickest you can get into that place of acceptance, I think the easier life becomes. I spent too many years of my life swimming upstream and fighting myself, right? So if I were to go back and tell my 20-year-old self before, because I moved here, I was 21, before I came here and so on, just to maybe take life a little lighter, be a little bit more joyous, and just really embrace the journey. It's usually like going down like rapids, but it's it's worth you know, if you put your hands up a little bit. <laughs> like you're on a roller coaster. <laughs> yes, like embrace the roller coaster rather than just like, you know, tightening and just getting really like stressed out. Just kind of go with the flow and and enjoy the ride. That's yeah. what I would tell her. And we didn't we didn't highlight it, but you did say at one point it's is it in your way or is it on your way? Because it is a journey, right? And so is Everything it in is your on way your way. An obstacle? It's only in your way if you make it so. <laughs> oh, I love it. Be more joyous. I love that. And the last question I have for you is, are you living in your overflow? How are you doing this? Are you living in your overflow? Okay. For the last, um, I want to say like year and a half of my life, more like the last year of my life, that's probably has been my most fulfilling time of my life. <laughs> Um, because of what we talked about of getting closer and closer in congruency with myself and mind you that I still have you know flare-ups of my health issues and stuff right like COVID was really interesting to me to be able to reconnect to people and spend more time reflecting and so on um, I like to say that life is like a spiral and we continue to hit the same obstacles but from a, a more refined and a more refined and a higher point of view uh, and I definitely experienced that with my health during COVID and just embracing that and slowing down in a different way and picking things up in another way has been really interesting. I've just been more accepting of the journey. Um, so I would say the last year has been my most overflow year. <laughs> you. Congrats. And I love how you said kind of accepting your congruency, like you're being more congruent with what your strengths are, what's in your flow, what you're good at versus what is actually not in your flow. I love that. Exactly. And if it doesn't feel right, as scary as it seems, say no and walk away, right? Like, and that's has been the theme for me this year of really 
making some very big choices because as per Dr. John Demartini that I mentioned earlier, he says, if you don't live in your values, you're living in somebody else's, you're never gonna be satisfied and happy, right? Uh, and sometimes we do so, like you said, at the women at the beginning, because we don't wanna, we wanna please others and we don't wanna disappoint people. So we put their needs ahead of ours and we would never be the best versions of ourselves if we're living somebody else's truth, right? So that's what 2020 has been for me, just like, really coming back to what is that I want, how do I want to serve and show up to the world, even if there's people that don't like my choices too too much, but uh, from a career standpoint, and that has been a huge part of my growth. I would yeah, say. And when you choose you, when you're congruent, when you're authentic, when you use your strengths, then I think your cup fills up and that's when you become overflowing. That's when you have capability. That's when you have you know, you're able to offer to others. And that's the, that's the overflow. That is totally it. I love it. <laughs> well, thank you so much. I will put in the show notes where to find you naturally joyous. Do you want to give us your website? And I know you have a group on Facebook too. Yes. So I'll give you all the links, but my website is naturallyjoyous.ca. And the Facebook group is called the Healthy Habits Project. So if you type that on Facebook, it should come up. Uh, and it's a place that uh, between myself and Roberta Snyder from Personal Ledge Training, we partner to bring this community of fitness and nutrition. And we try to do things uh, differently and really just lots of value and just like really service and serve the community and give motivation and tips and tools. So I'm yeah, part of the group, I'm part of the group. And then Confidence Within. And it will be launching... Officially on the 27th of August. 27th of August. Okay. So we will look for it on all our podcast players. Yes. <laughs> well done. Thank you so much for joining us. And Such I look forward pleasure. to hearing many episodes of Confidence Within. Here we go. <laughs> Thank you so, so much for having me. It was such, such an honor. I hope this podcast feels like a guide in your ear, encouraging a shift in your mindset, boldly challenging you to stretch self-care goals and continue to strive and achieve big accomplishments in life because you're not here to be average. You're here to be awesome. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of Overflow. If you enjoyed what you heard today, please share it with a friend and subscribe, rate, and review the show on your favorite podcast player. If you have any comments, ideas, or feedback, you can find me on my website, peoplebrain.ca. Thanks so much for listening.